Dear listeners, Sairam. Welcome to our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. Every Thursday on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony, you can enjoy this live conversation. It's from 12.30pm to 2pm Indian Standard Time. Today's episode was first featured as part of Thursday Live on... October 17th, 2013. Offering our most humble pranams at the lotus feet of our beloved Bhagwan, it is with a great happy and cheerful mood that both Prem and me are sitting for this satsang to talk and dilate and discuss upon one more subtle and beautiful aspect in our journey towards god before we proceed any further it's my privilege and pleasure as always to welcome prem sairam prem sairam arvind and thank you for that nice introduction and it just sparks a thought in me often it is said that science contradicts religion and you know science is trying to edge out religion and edge out devotion and spirituality often it is misunderstood and thought that they are opposites you know it is said that science opposes religion because religion opposes science but it is not so it's almost like swami used to often say the two halves of a circle both are needed to complete it though both of them are completely opposite in their structure shape and nature the two halves of the circle but two completely opposite apparently opposite and opposing structures or figures or shapes are needed to make this circle whole and this is a phenomenon that we see in our day to day life of something totally opposite being actually a complement and a very much a necessary part of every action that we do for instance you know when i am trying to hammer a nail into the wall my objective is to push the nail straight into the wall but when i begin to hammer i move my hand in a totally opposite direction i withdraw it backwards rather than pushing it forwards but that pull back of my hand that movement in the opposite direction is very much necessary for me to push the nail in the forward direction right and the same thing can be said about shooting an arrow too you know hmm. when you string an arrow onto the bow hmm. you pull the arrow backwards hmm. and the more you pull it backwards the more you give it the chance to go forward closer home when we walk or when we jump suppose if i want to jump what i do is when i want to leap forward i bend backwards you know i want to stretch out my muscles in such a manner that i can take that leap forward at the same time if i want to jump backwards i stretch forwards so again you see a movement in a direction opposite to the actual movement that is intended right and if you take an example of a farmer hmm. you know that's what he does he throws away seeds in quest of more seeds you know his idea is to have a harvest of seeds but what does he do the first act he does is throwing away the little seeds which he has Exactly that is what even Swami pointed out saying when we discussed this last week about the Dasara Yagnam that is what Swami used to say that people who say that it is foolishness to throw ghee and everything into the fire during the yagnam is as foolish as stating that a farmer is wasting seeds by scattering them but again as you said in order to get a rich harvest of seeds the farmer has to do something totally opposite of what he intends he intends to garner seeds but he has to throw away the seeds in the same way you know if you take the other profession a potter he wants to make a pot which has to hold water but in order to make the pot which has to hold water what he does he keeps the mud and the clay 
away from water and bakes it in fire so that every drop of water from it comes out he makes the mud and sand move away from water so to say in order to make it capable of holding water in the same context i'm reminded of a joke actually mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily a serious example for the topic we're discussing uh-huh. you know a man with a je- common cold goes to the doctor mm-hmm. and he says doctor i'm having a cold so the doctor asks him how long have you been having it he says i've been having it for a couple of days and mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to be relenting mm-hmm. so the doctor says that you know i'll give you a suggestion you have a cold water bath and take off your shirt and go and stand on your terrace at 3 in the morning mm-hmm. okay he says looks like just the opposite thing to do Uh-huh. The doctor says, "Yeah, yeah, you do this. Your cold will turn into a pneumonia. I have a cure for pneumonia." He says, <laughs> <laughs> you know, "It's just a joke." But you know, in science also we do that, right? Even in medication, mm-hmm. many times you do right the opposite in search of a cure. Hmm. Yes, that is the basis of a cancer therapy. You know, in cancer, the problem is that the cells of the body are turning malignant, and these cells. need to be destroyed because these malignant cells are destroying the good cells of the human body what do you do radiation radiation which is one of the root causes for killing more number of good cells but that's the way out you may say that radiation also kills good cells at a faster rate than the cancer itself but that is necessary to cure cancer there are many such examples you know the most the, commonly understood way hmm? let's say you're going to have a nice dinner tonight yes would it you prepare for it by not eating anything the whole evening <laughs> i think that is an example that more uh, close to our heart <laughs> yes because in the hostel we used to do that you know when there's an impending feast at night yeah we all go low on the lunch in fact the menu is also prepared in such a manner that there are nothing exciting for lunch you're talking about human lunches if we go to our animal brothers when they go for their lunch too they seem to adopt this kind of attitude of moving away if you see the lions hunting an antelope or if you look at wild dogs chasing their prey it's not actually lions it's the lionesses that do the hunting they do exactly the same you know once they figure out that that is going to be their prey animal all the animals that are going to be predatory that is the lionesses or the wild dogs they start spreading out moving away from the prey Today we know this because of amazing footage that we have got that have captured the entire hunt in progress. The first step of the hunt is for all these predators that is the lionesses or the wild dogs to move away from the animal of prey so that ultimately it is either one lioness or one wild dog that chases the quarry directly and pushes the quarry in the direction of where the others are waiting in ambush. and finally they bring it down so again here too in the first step of gathering their food or getting their food all these predators move away from the prey rather than towards it another example of moving away to reach the goal i think a famous fairy tale we all would have read when you were kids is that of the ant and the grasshopper right hmm you know the difference in approach of the ant and the grasshopper where the grasshopper has fun all the time correct but the ant is working hard during the spring what is the idea of working so hard so at at winter it can rest at peace so action which is actually quite you know contradictory to having nothing to do and Correct. to have the leisure that is exactly what you have to do to have that leisure you know we talk about the ants that's what we do also right you i mean when we are earning well when we are having the best of health we take a health insurance we start saving why it seems absolutely unnecessary at that time we are going in a direction opposite when you are having the youth and when you are having the money you are supposed to spend and enjoy it but one who does that is criticized actually you know beyond a certain limit so we are encouraged to do that because 
again in order to achieve a goal we apparently have to move away from the goal to achieve it right it's a very common thing that what we do is so contradictory to what we actually want hmm you were also giving the example of mountain climbing that's i think a very very symbolic example as well because reaching the top is something that all of us want to do not only the mountaineers but if you look at a mountaineer the way he reaches the top forget a mountaineer even if we go to the western ghats mm-hmm. or if we go to any other mountain or hill by road also you see the road at any point in time the road is never pointing to the peak that right. we want to reach because in order to make it comfortable to climb the road always spirals and turns and twirls around the hill or mountain only at the end at the final few meters does the road directly point to the top throughout the journey the road is pointing away from the top yet we know that following that road is our only way to reach the top so throughout the journey till the point when you are reaching the destination you are always moving away from the destination so that is another example that we see right exactly you know one graphic example i remember mm. was what a warden once told us in vrindavan you know, he used to take the uh, awareness class okay moti sir so i'm sure you remember the classroom in which we used to have we used to call it the gallery right a1 gallery exactly it was the biggest classroom, classroom. in the college building that was a classroom in which the whole batch used to assemble hmm. you know the commerce and the science together so that was the biggest classroom and you know this place where the teacher used to sit the door used to be to the left of him okay Correct. and position wise the classroom was placed just behind the ganesha in the institute the main ganesha idol the main ganesha idol hmm. but the door was only to his left so one day when he was telling us i think something similar to this he said see the ganesha is to my right but now if i want to go to the ganesha i have to take to my left hmm so he said sometimes when you actually want to move towards god you might sometimes have to take a path which is exactly opposite to that i don't remember in what context he said it but you know the imagery of what he said was so strong and it is still remained in our memories to right. this day and when you state that i am reminded of a famous example i think we quoted this example when we had this discussion on means and ends the example of jaya and vijaya the two guards to vaikuntha that is the abode of lord vishnu they anger the sanat kumaras as they are called right. the four sons of lord brahma and they anger them by not allowing them to enter vaikuntha and so they curse curse these two having cursed them into a life that is away from the lord the four sons of brahma meet the lord that is when vishnu tells them that you know they should reconsider and because you know after all the two doorkeepers they are harmless and they were just doing their duty so these four sages they say that once a word has been uttered we can't withdraw it but we can modify it how do you like it to be modified they say that either you can spend seven noble births on the earth mm-hmm. because they say you're condemned to spend life on earth here are the options spend seven births as great lovers of lord vishnu where you will be noble and looked up by everyone else spend three lives as people who hate the lord you will be considered as the epitome of cruelty and negativeness and everybody will abhor you hate you criticize you so which do you choose without you know even blinking or batting an eyelid jaya and vijaya say that we prefer to spend three births as haters of vishnu and this shocks the sages because here are two these are the watchmen of lord vishnu they are the guards at the celestial gates and they are choosing to hate the lord whom they apparently guard of course the lord needs no guard but that is the job they have been given 
That is when Jaya and Vijaya explain their logic. They say that, you know, we cannot stay without our Lord. We cannot imagine of a life away from Vaikuntha. So we may as well complete our punishment quickly. So they say that, you know, seven births or three births, good birth or dirty birth doesn't matter to us. It's a punishment because we are away from the Lord. So we may as well finish the punishment fast and come back. That's why we choose three births, whatever it may be. And that is why it is said that Jaya and Vijaya were born as Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashpu, whom the Lord Vishnu killed as the Varaha avatar. They became Ravana and Kumbhukarna, whom Lord Vishnu killed as Lord Rama. And finally they became Shishupala and Dantavakra, whom Lord Vishnu killed as Shri Krishna. So you see, on the face of it, these lovers of God chose to hate God and criticize God and become the Lord's enemies in order to achieve faster and quicker their goal of being one with their Lord again. So when you say that Narsimurti sir stated that often to go to the Lord Ganesha, you have to take a road that leads you away from Ganesha. Yes, it makes quite some sense. Right. And forgetting the philosophical part, it makes a nice story when somebody comes to Swami, you know, as a person who did not want to come and then lands up here and then begins a journey of complete dedication. And we've done at least two or three satsangs on that theme where people come very hesitantly, but were won over. And I think a story which definitely needs a repetition here is that of uh, Mr. Seshigiri Rao. I'm sure we've narrated this incident many times over here. But you know, the idea that when he came here, he came as an escort for his daughters and he said that I cannot accept somebody who is a Kshatriya and I'm a worshipper of Shiva. I've been a very, very sincere worshipper of Shiva. How can I accept somebody who is, after all, a village boy who is a school dropout and who is a Kshatriya? That very thing which he thought did not allow him to go and have Swami's darshan hmm. was that was the very thing which actually bound Swami to him forever and then he comes and he, the first peep he just collapses he goes unconscious for three days he doesn't wake up Swami just nurses him in his own room and then when he wakes up the first thing he says is you all can leave I'm not going to leave this place anymore and that's what he says that you know Swami appeared to me as Lord Shiva that Shiva whom I worshipped for 50 years I've finally seen him I am not going to be stupid to leave him and go now. Just imagine a person who had decided that I am going to Puttaparthi only because it's a God-forsaken village and I don't know what are the dangers and troubles that my wife and daughter might face and therefore as an escort and I am coming here only as an escort. Don't expect me to get even involved into it 1% even for one moment. I am going to be totally away from all the stuff that you are going to do there. A person who is arriving with such a firm resolve after that, never ever left the land of Puttaparthi to go out anywhere else because he said, this is where I found. That's exactly the case with uh, Mr. Karanjia too, right? Correct. Because he was a person with a communist bent of mind and a journalist. But those are the very things which got him to Swami because his reasoning and his need as a journalist, he wanted to get to the heart of the facts. And that's what got him to Swami. Dear listeners, the objective with which Prem and me took up this discussion is because Very often, you know, we encounter people who say that, you know, I'm a devotee, I love Swami, but my father, he opposes, he doesn't like this. My husband doesn't like me worshipping Swami. My wife is against this. Or uh, the place, the society where I live, everybody around is against Swami. We are not able to practice this fully. This is one angle of the problem. The other angle that is presented is, why does it happen like this? Why are they not able to see what we are able to see? And often it leads to us either thinking low of the people who do not believe in Swami or go away from Swami or thinking negatively about them, thinking that they are not evolved enough, they are not good. 
it is just to remind ourselves that sometimes the master plan of the lord is in such a manner that the master plan itself is such that it takes you away from the lord it seems to be taking you away from the lord but just like these numerous examples that we discussed before it actually gets you back to the lord in such a firm and strong manner that you are not able to comprehend the magic that it has done later on only you will be able to see and admire it there are two such beautiful experiences that we would like to share about this problem that we often notice of people leaving swami going away from swami or people being blind to what you are able to see we are able to see the magnitude glory and love of swami why is it that somebody else is blind to it so be tuned in because these two stories are sure to sweep you off your feet that will wait for a little while we're going to take a short break now we're going to play a beautiful song for you and when we come back from the song we're going to have more stories in the same theme ik radha ik mera do श्याम को चाह अंतर क्या दोनों की चाह में बोलो एक प्रेम दीवानी एक दर्श दीवानी एक प्रेम दीवानी एक दर्श दीवानी एक राधा एक मीरा प्रेम दीवानी एक दर्श दीवानी एक प्रेम दीवानी एक दर्श दीवानी मधुबन में ढूंढा मीरा ने मन में पाया राधा ने मधुबन में ढूंढा मीरा ने मन में पाया राधा जिसे खो बैठे वो गोविंद मीरा हाथ बिछाए एक रानी एक दासी दोनों हरी प्रेम की प्यासी अंतर क्या दोनों की प्रीत में बोलो अंतर क्या सुर 
Welcome back dear listeners and we just hope that you heard the song that was played just before this because that song is so beautiful it speaks about two devotees of the lord one radha and one meera and anybody who has read the story of radha and meera will know that it becomes very difficult to compare them and say who loves the lord best both will be joint first if we have to say who loves krishna more because Radha's love is supreme for Krishna and Meera's love is supreme for Krishna and yet if we look at their lives and the way they did their actions it is so different one is a queen the other almost a beggar one decked herself in order to present herself most beautifully to the lord the other wore almost no ornamentation at all for she knew that the lord looks for the inner beauty while one worshiped him in his life form the other worshiped the idol while one never accepted defeat to lord that is meera never accepted defeat to the lord radha never accepted victory over the lord the whole world said radha you have won over the lord she said no and the whole world screamed at meera you have lost she said no i mean their approaches were absolutely totally opposite and yet both of them are considered as the greatest lovers of lord krishna now for a moment if we just ponder if the way the devotee loves the lord can be so diametrically opposite is it not possible that the way the lord loves the devotee too can be in the same way diametrically opposite 
Is it not possible that in order to express his supreme pure divine love Swami takes one very close to him at the same time in order to express that same supreme divine and pure love Swami pushes someone very far away from him Today's topic is going to be along these lines of going away from the destination to reach the destination I'm just reminded of one small anecdote that happened in the life of Sri Raman Rao. Mm-hmm. He was one of the foremost among the Sevadal and in fact he received his Sevadal badge from Swami. He was an atheist and he was on his first visit to Puttaparthi and he was hastily drawing so many conclusions as he saw the sights all around. So one of the first things that he saw was when Swami came for darshan he picked up some people and he noticed that five among them were rich, well-to-do, affluent kind of people. Mm-hmm. Two among them seem to be poor and not well to do. So he thought, oh, most of the people who get interviewed are rich people. So this Baba just take poor people as a token. That was his thought. And after darshan, you know, there used to be the interviews during which it is free time. And if you remember those days, most of us would go for having breakfast. So Raman Rao also said, you know, now I'll go for breakfast. I'm hungry. He had come along with his friend who said, no, no, I would like to sit here. The Raman Rao sir thought that you know this person is mad. He's giving up his breakfast or something like this. He goes, has breakfast and comes back. And when he's back from ba- breakfast, he sees that the interviews have concluded and the people are coming out. He goes to them and asks what it is. He sees in the hand of one person, there are three rings. Mm-hmm. And he points to a fourth ring and says, this Swami gave this ring, you know, saying all the worries, problems will be gone. He says, oh, okay. In the meanwhile, two of them slip out because they don't want to talk about the experience. But he speaks to these three people and all three of them are well-to-do. One is a businessman, other is from a royal family. So each of them, Swami has given them different things. And uh, Raman Rao sir listens to all this. He comes back. When he comes to his seat, he sees one poor person. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's from Orissa. And uh, he has mistaken Raman Rao sir to be somebody from the ashram. Because he thinks that, you know, he was speaking to all the people who came out of the interview room. Mm-hmm. So he confuses him to be somebody like a trustee or a chairperson of the ashram or something. So he walks up to him and asks, Sir... Will Swami speak to me tomorrow? So Raman Rao doesn't know what is happening. So he looks at him and tells, Hey, you were there right among those whom Swami picked for interview. What happened? He says, Sir, what do I say? I am a very, very poor person from Orissa. And I had made all the plans necessary to get my daughter married. And when I wanted to get her married, naturally I got a silk sari for her. I got some silk dhoti and silk cloth for my going to be son-in-law. I had purchased the golden mangal sutra, you know, which the Indian women wear as the sign of their wedding. And I had also gathered about 1200 rupees in cash. This is what I'm talking about in the 1970s. So 1200 rupees was a big deal those days. So he said about 1200 rupees in cash. And all of this was in a cover. And a week before the wedding, there was a burglary and this was stolen. So then Raman Rao sir says, so why did you come here? You should go to the police. He says, yeah, I went to the police and I know what the police will do. Nothing will come out of it. Last year I had come and met Sai Baba. I had met Swami and you know, I am convinced that Swami will help me and that's why I have come because I have no other place to go. I don't know. I can never gather back all that I have gathered. So when he says this, Raman Rao sir then asks him, then what happened? He says, sir, when I went to the interview room, Seeing Swami, seeing those compassionate eyes, nothing came from my mouth. I just began to weep inconsolably. I didn't speak a word. I was just crying and crying and crying and I began to sob. And when I began sobbing, the whole decorum of the place was disturbed, I think, because uh, I was crying so badly. Swami just patted me on my shoulder, opened the interview room door and said, please go out. And 
that's why uh, i don't know i just got overwhelmed i'm just hoping that is it possible that tomorrow i may get an interview when raman rao sir heard this you know his mind was again making all the conclusions he said you know this person <laughs> he came to seek help and instead of helping this this baba is giving rings to all those well to do people and this person who really needs his help what does he do he sends him out of the interview room so he immediately goes to his friend and says look what injustice your baba has done so then his friend says see we don't know whether that is a true story he might be just telling this to you know win some kind of kindness and get something you don't know if he is lying you don't know whether he is a cheat so raman rao sir gets furious he says you don't give such kind of justification for the injustice that your baba has done okay mm-hmm. you can listen to this man to his plain voice and know that he is not lying he is genuinely in trouble so then the friend he doesn't know how to defend his swami so he says then maybe it's an opportunity for us to help let us help him in whatever way possible so you know raman rao sir takes out a princely sum of 50 rupees and says this is what i can contribute but i'll give this i'll help him his friend also takes out 50 rupees from his pocket and so they decide that they will give him at least 100 rupees and then raman rao sir writes in his book that as he went to help that person professor kasturi comes walking out mm-hmm. and he is calling out jagannath 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 who is jagannath and even as he is calling out this person from orissa stands up so raman rao sir's friend puts a hand on raman rao sir and says you know just wait don't give him that money Professor Kasturi comes to him and gives him a cover and says Swami said that you were crying that you could not express you could not speak to him what you wanted to speak but Swami says he knows your heart and he has sent this for you so the man accepts the cover and opens it and inside there is a silk sari he pulls out the silk sari and Raman Rao sir is seeing this after that he pulls out a silk dhoti with angavastram mm-hmm. for the groom and then kasturi points out and says inside the cover he puts his hand and pulls out an envelope he opens the envelope and raman rao is able to see from there that there is a wad of currency notes he sure all of them are 100 rupee notes and he sure that it's at least double the amount what he had actually lost at least 2500 rupees are there he sure of it and as the man is now shedding tears again he's shedding tears you know that is the magic that the lord does converts tears of sorrow into tears of joy kasturi again points out to the envelope and then when he sees inside the envelope is one beautiful mangal sutra in gold and this time raman rao sir is almost moved to tears he is shocked and then kasturi says to this man swami said that you have come here without telling anybody everybody there is worried about you you know this was a time when there was no cell phones or nothing like that go back quickly and swami says that you are conducting some marriage therefore he has sent all this he says his blessings are there you need not travel here again because it's an expensive thing for you to travel swami sends his blessings to you there and then jagannath gets up with tears of joy and big smile beaming on his face walks away and also offers a salute to raman rao sir who is standing there because he thinks that raman rao sir is you know a person of and raman rao sir is just bold he writes in his book that i just took that petty amount that i was thinking of giving him and put it back in my pocket who am i to give when here was swami giving without him you know it looked on the face of it like as if swami is sending him out of the interview room but it only led to a much more bountiful shower of love and grace unless we are able to see the overall big picture unless we are able to see the whole picture we will not be able to appreciate it and most of the times we do not appreciate things because we are not able to see this big picture and absolutely as a devotee our duty is to not have doubts 
Mm-hmm. But if you have in your vicinity somebody who is having doubts, it is not your duty to jump into conclusions that you know mm. they have fallen away. Mm. Because as Swami said, Swami has told many times, once I've taken hold of your hand, I never let go. Mm. So I think all those people who think that you know this person has fallen off and this person has gone wayward, it is the same thing. We are seeing that uh, small picture and not seeing the bigger picture. Mm. And maybe we just have to give it some time to realize that it's just the journey has taken a different turn. Mm. And, you know, as Swami would often say that when a road is being mended, there is a detour which is created so that the road is given enough time to be repaired. And Swami would often say that when he doesn't talk to a person. Correct. He would say that when I don't speak to a person, it's like avoiding a main road and taking a detour. The idea is not to avoid the road. The idea is to give the road time so that the repair works proceed fast Faster. and I can start using the road once again. When you're talking of all these things, one thing is many people have faced this. Many devotees come to Swami and say that Swami, you know, my husband is not devoted to you. Mm. Or my children are not devoted to you. Mm. My parents are not devoted to you. And many people have that problem. And I think uh, it would be a nice point to narrate the experience of one person who came. And I think it happened in our time when we were students and we've seen a part of the story unfold in front of us. Mm. That of how the Belgian prince and more than the Belgian prince, the Belgian princess, their mother, how she was drawn to Swami. Oh, okay. okay. Very interesting story. This lady, one of the many princesses in Belgium, she was a very devout Christian and she mm. always prayed to uh, Jesus and she was a person of very pure heart, very devoted and as Swami would say later, she was very dharmic. That's what Swami had told. Mm. But this lady was very often having a very recurrent dream. Okay. You know, in that dream, there are no surprises here, a man in an orange robe with a halo of hair mm. was coming and telling her, Come to Puttaparthi, come to Puttaparthi. Okay. And she was somehow pushing aside this dream because she could realize that this was some spiritual personage who's coming to draw her close to himself. Mm-hmm. And she thought it would be unfaithful to Christ if she would go to a person like this. Okay. So she just kept on ignoring this thing which kept coming to her. One day she met an old friend of hers and you know they were just exchanging pleasantries and talking about old times. When this friend suddenly told her that, you know, I've met a person in India, a spiritual master. Okay. And I've taken him to be my guru. I've traveled to his ashram in uh, India and I've taken him to be my guru. The moment she hears the word India, she says, India, you know, have you heard of a place called Puttaparthi in India? That's what the Belgian princess asks. And this lady is shocked, the friend. He says, how did you get the name so correct? Because Mm. that's exactly the person I'm mentioning. Mm. You know, his name is Sai Baba and she pulls out a picture and shows it to her and says, he's the guru I met and whom I've accepted. So now the Belgian princess is shocked. Okay. She says, he's the man who's been coming in my dream in mm. telling me to come to Puttaparthi. Both of them are surprised by the thing and so they decide that let's travel to Swami. Mm. So a week later, they boarded the flight. They're traveling towards Puttaparthi. Oh, only the princess and her friend. Yeah, only the princess and her friend. Mm. And all the while her friend is telling her stories about Swami that she's heard and she's experienced. And this princess is absolutely confused. She doesn't know what to make of this whole mm. event which is happening. You know, who is this person who is doing all kinds of Christ-like miracles? Mm-hmm. And is it right for a Christian, a devout Christian to travel to India to see a person like this? Mm-hmm. And all these uh, doubts are going. They land in India. They drive down to Puttaparthi. And they very casually go to the accommodation office and take a uh, room for accommodation. And they go in. You know, they must have been in one of the north blocks. This is the Princess of Belgium. Princess of Belgium. Okay. In the meanwhile, huh? the Belgium High Commission calls up the external affairs ministry of India mm. and tells them that, you know, Her Highness, the princess of Belgium is traveling to India. Mm. She's gone to Puttaparthi to meet Sai Baba. 
Hmm. So then the Ministry of External Affairs calls up the PR in Ashram and tells that you know the Princess of Belgium is there in the Ashram. <laughs> oh, that was why uh, she was shifted to the uh, Sai Shrinivas right. guest house. After that they hunted for her and they found that oh, she's okay. staying like another devotee, and she was asked to move to the guest house for VIPs. And the next day, promptly she was made to sit in the first row in the darshan. You know, Prem, I feel uh, this kind of humility and sweetness. I feel that is why you know Swami wanted. Swami is also in search of a devotee. They say, right? Absolutely. What a really humble lady. And so there, you know, the first darshan, and she was all heart filled with trepidation. You know, what is Swami going to say? Is Swami going to come and recognize her, or going to treat her like just another stranger who has just come in? Hmm. And what do I tell Swami? What do I ask him? You know, you can imagine all the thoughts which would be running in a devotee who has been drawn this way. Mm. So she's sitting there, and Swami comes for darshan, and Swami stops just before her and is talking to a devotee who is sitting beside her. Mm. And so she sees that everybody is taking padmanaskar, everybody is touching Swami's feet. So she thinks that maybe that's the protocol. That's what you're supposed to do. So she bends and touches Swami's feet. Immediately, Swami looks at her, pats her on her head. So you have come. Mm. That's what Swami says. And so she's surprised. You know, the Swami has recognized her. Then Swami invites her and her friend for an interview mm. so in the interview the first thing swami does is swami materializes two medallions and both with an image of jesus christ mm. and gives it to both these ladies you know both are jesus christ images but had a slight difference the one which swami gave the princess mm. had the picture of christ on the cross mm. only till the waist the one which uh, swami gave the friend had a regular picture of jesus christ on the cross the whole picture okay okay and then swami went on to say that i know that you are very very devoted to christ okay and swami said it is because of your devotion to christ that i have drawn you here mm-hmm. and then swami goes on to say that when you are 5 years old you saw the movie jesus of nazareth mm-hmm. and swami says that is when your attachment to jesus actually was born mm-hmm. and then swami says that the scene where jesus was crucified that scene troubled you so much that you started crying then And then Swami said that scene where Jesus's feet were nailed to the cross, that was a scene which you couldn't take at all. Mm. And Swami said after that you went and cried for two days, just imagining that one scene. And Swami said because it gave you so much pain, I gave you a picture of Jesus, where the crucifixion image is only till the waist. Swami said I don't want you to give you something which will trouble you and which will make you cry. But you know, in that concern. He also showed his own exactly. Presence. You know that's what shocked her more than <laughs> the concern. Then she said, "How did Swami know this? Because she had not shared it with anybody else. Mm. You know, crying for two days, seeing that scene, and how that movie had made such a strong impact on her. Mm. And you know, she was so moved by all this. Then Swami said, 'See, that is why I am so happy with you because of mm. all the devotion that you've shown, and because you're a very dharmic person. That's when Swami tells her that you've stuck to your duties very uh, relentlessly and with so much of shraddha." And then Swami tells her, "No, ask me what you want. I'm hmm. very happy with you. Ask me whatever you want. I'll give you." And she didn't know what to ask, but the first thought which came to her mind was about the two sons who were studying in Harvard at that time. The problem was they were not devoted to Jesus, and they were agnostics. Oh, they were agnostics. Okay. Huh. And she was thinking that should I ask about them? Because that was the thing which was topmost in her mind hmm. that they were not coming to church with her, and they were not having that. They didn't believe in God. Didn't believe in God. Didn't have the spiritual bent of mind. But she didn't ask. And the next thing Swami said was, "You want to ask about your sons <laughs> who are in Harvard?" Oh, okay, okay. And then Swami says, "Ask. Why are you hesitating?" So then, you know, she's so overwhelmed. She falls at Swami's feet and she says, "Yes, Swami, it troubles me that they are not believers of God." Mm. So then Swami says, "You do one thing. After this interview, you go back and you call them up and tell them about me, whatever you've experienced here, and you tell me what they say tomorrow." 
so that night she goes and she calls up her sons and the next morning swami comes and calls them for an interview and say what did your son say did you tell them about me so very hesitantly she says swami i did tell them but they just hung up the phone they said you keep your fantasies with to yourself we don't want any bit of it swami so says is that what they said you do one thing again you call them up today okay and tell them that sai baba told that he'll give them an experience and you tell me what they said tomorrow okay, <laughs> okay. wow ha huh. sushi so again calls up and then this time they all the more wild they hang up the phone and she's very troubled and she's wondering how to tell this to swami you know it's such impertinence on their part so the next morning swami comes with a twinkle in his eye and he says what did they say so she said swami this is what happened so he says don't worry you call up now <laughs> they will tell you what happened okay and so after the darshan they rush they call up and you know what has happened hmm these two boys they were sitting in a class in harvard when an orange light came and stuck to this boy's shirt the elder son's shirt so this boy gets up and tries to see where is this light coming from and then the orange light starts chasing him wherever he goes yes and this was a scene the whole class saw oh this prince being chased by this orange light and that scene this boy is running this orange light is chasing him and the whole class is actually running after that light hmm and at one point they're totally exhausted they all fall the light circles around them and just vanishes into the air oh okay and this was a scene the entire class saw hmm so then when she heard this thing that evening darshan she comes and before she could tell it to swami so swami says so did your boys tell about that orange light okay <laughs> and immediately swami called them for an interview and in the interview she said swami the whole class wants to come and see you oh, okay so swami said no time is not yet come for that hmm. but when the time comes i will call your two sons here okay and i'm sure you will remember that when oh, we were in okay, first to okay. first to second year uh, i thought they were her brothers or something yeah they were her sons <laughs> oh, okay Actually, those, during that summer the summer of uh, 2000 i think exactly you know they said that the prince and the princess from belgium are there the two princes and the princess of belgium so therefore i assume they must be cousins or something like that yeah. i didn't know it was mother and sons right and i, I remember how much attention swami gave when they were there they used to even come for three sessions ha huh. and i still remember one or two dramas which were staged in the kalyan mandapam then those two boys were sitting around and swami was explaining the whole script to them because i think the drama was in telugu or kannada which they can't understand and it scene after scene swami was explaining to those boys yes i remember those beautiful moments you know but imagine swami goes to belgium and draws the mother and then after the mother comes swami goes to harvard and draws the children hmm and if you look at any one particular moment in this entire narrative hmm. it is so difficult to understand the entire plan right very right you just cannot understand and one more thing that strikes when you listen to this narrative is that when swami wishes to pull you it's he pulls you it is not as if we chose to believe in god we chose not to believe in god it is the lord who chose to pull us or keep us away and knowing our lord we should have faith that whether he chooses to pull us to him or keep us away from him both are for our ultimate good this kind of attitude helps in two ways one is it helps us to accept whatever situation we are in second thing is it helps us not to get judgmental about people who are atheists or who are agnostics it's no problem because that is the way that they are receiving lord's love and this is the way we are receiving lord's love what a lovely experience you shared prem thank you so much because it felt so lovely listening to it and it also feels lovely listening to the leela of the lord the beautiful thing about experience with swami is of course the lesson is there but even if we miss the lesson at times just listening to that experience is so ennobling and makes us remember 
that orange light how i wish you know it starts <laughs> chasing us here in the studio instead of running away from it we will run towards it but well one more beautiful experience coming up but after we take this little break be tuned in we'll be back that famous amazing grace song which been rendered so many times and this is the 
Dana Gillespie version of The Amazing Grace. You know, literally Amazing Grace. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the amazing thing about Grace is that it can come to us in ways that we never imagine. And maybe we'll conclude this afternoon satsang with this incident. I've heard this many times and I've heard it from the person who went through this. His name is Amai Deshpande and he's literally like a Sai brother to me. I feel he's a brother gifted to me by Swami. And this incident is life-changing for him and it appeared to be life-shattering. That's the thing. Imagine something that is life-shattering turns out to be life-changing. Uh, well, he came to know about Swami in 1970s and that is when his family came to Swami. And um, one thing led to another and soon he found himself in the primary school for a sixth grade. He mm-hmm. joined there for sixth standard. And, you know, a kind of mad love for Swami, it seemed to be there in him from his childhood days itself. And there are many experiences that he had even before he joined the primary school with Swami, not only the omnipresent Swami, with also the physical Swami. We will go into those experiences some other time. But basically, when he joined the school, his focus was all Swami. Now, isn't that the focus for every child? Of course, yes, Swami is a focus. But Amai seemed a little extra special and he would do anything possible in his energy and capacity to win the love of Swami, to become dear to Swami. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go close to Swami and he seemed to be succeeding in that too because Swami also started showering his attention on him, speaking to him. You know, every now and then Swami used to come and ask about what is the food in primary school. That used to be Amai. And he would call a group of students to take prasadam for distribution. One among them would definitely be Amai. And many such things, you know. In fact, uh, you know the term that we use in the hostel, the form boy. We say a person who is receiving attention from Swami is a form boy. So, Amai was considered as one of the prime form boys of his class. And this form, that is his proximity, took a hundredfold leap through a disaster, you know. What happened was he had severe stomachache one day. And when he went to the hospital, he was diagnosed with appendicitis. Mm -hmm. And it was very painful and he was scared at the prospects of him being cut up, you know. It's an operation that needs cutting and suturing. With a lot of worry, he told Swami that, Swami, this is what it is. And Swami was so loving. Swami embraced him and comforted him and said, you don't worry, it'll all be fine. Swami will take care. He called doctors and specifically spoke to them about it. This was in the December of 1992. And specially ensured that care should be taken. And, you know, Swami was monitoring this patient. And... His appendicitis won him so much of love and grace from Swami. Finally, his operation was scheduled on, I think, December 24th, one day after his birthday. Mm -hmm. And uh, the operation went on fine. And Swami was constantly inquiring about him, sent vibhuti for him, sent prasadam for him. So much. And every day the doctors had something or the other. You know, Swami was asking about this. Swami asked about this. And he was so happy. And, you know, imagine being in the hospital. And this hospital was, you know, just one year old at that time. 1991, Swami had inaugurated the super speciality hospital. So, it was bliss for him, you know, to be the apple of the eye of the Lord. In fact, he would not want to even go home. But in primary school, you are not allowed to stay back. Just like how we are allowed in the institute hostels. So he would wait for the vacation to end or he would tell his parents to come to India so that he can spend his time with Swami because Swami was his everything. And he saw the fulfillment of a lifelong desire, whatever short his life had been till then. His lifelong desire was to be with Swami and that was happening with each passing day. In fact, on January 1st, the doctors came to know that Swami would be visiting the super speciality hospital. He used to make regular visits. And the thing was on 31st of December, Amai was discharged. But the doctors of the urology section of the hospital, they requested, they said, 
to amai that you know if you are in the hospital there's a high probability that swami will visit the urology ward not high probability compulsory swami will come to see you and therefore all of us will get blessed so please uh, can we delay your discharge to tomorrow I mean, they held him back for one day only for that purpose. For that purpose, yeah. <laughs> because medically he was fit to be discharged. Okay. So, Amai agreed and therefore he was retained. And as they had expected, Swami visited the next day. Mm-hmm. And Swami headed straight to the urology section. Why? Because his dear Amai was there recuperating, coalescing. So, he went and spoke to Amai. Swami spoke to Amai again, blessed him and told him not to worry that he will be back in hostel soon. And Amai was said that he was just smiling to himself because he knew that he had to already be in hostel. He was not worried about anything. He was just enjoying the divine love and grace that Swami was showering on him. And the doctors too got their chances. In fact, the next day, Swami sent his own personal white Mercedes car to pick up Amai from the hospital and drop him to the oh hospital. God. Wow, that's something. You can imagine Amai became a hero, an instant celebrity in the hostel. Because nobody had received such physical attention and grace from Swami. And at that age... He did his best, of course, to keep a sane head above his shoulders. Every single opportunity, once Swami visited hostel and Swami was sitting on the jhula, he called out to Amai and another boy to sit specially on the platform that had been made for Swami, while all the other boys sat down. This speciality, this partiality towards Amai was there for all to see. And everyone wondered, what is it in Amai that is, you know, we also want to become like him. Everybody wanted to become like him and get close to Swami. And they tried to imitate whatever he was doing. In an exhibition also, you know, an exhibition was made. That exhibition was mainly done by the 12th grade and 10th grade student and Swami was visiting them. Now, because Amai was there in the 8th grade, the 8th grade and 9th grade students also put up an exhibition and Swami visited that exhibition too. Mm-hmm. Spent half an hour there, out of which one minute was at Amai's exhibit. You know, Swami spent so much time, patted him on his cheek, told him that he had done a good job. What his exhibit was about is another story, but Swami spent time there. In fact, Amai was told that for next year's exhibition also prepare some exhibit because, you know, that will be the one that will captivate Swami. So, all this was going on. Just imagine. And after his 8th grade, he goes home for the summer vacations. He was staying in Muscat at that time. So, when he goes home, he's preparing, you know, for the next year's exhibit. And uh, they also had a summer project to do, which was read the entire Satisai Speaks Volume 5 and summarize it. Okay. Can you imagine that? And he was halfway through that as well. He was ideal in every way, you know, whether it's in sports or academics or cultural activities or being dear to Swami. A perfect kind of all-rounder. One day, you know, he happened to get into a kind of slight argument with his father. Mm -hmm. And in the course of his argument, his father shouted at him and said, Just shut up! It is this kind of talking that has got you expelled from the school. What? And when Amai heard that, he was just shocked. What? What? He was just, you know, stammering. He couldn't get words. Father said, yes, you have been kicked out of school. Oh God. He was shocked. He could not believe. He's, then the father shows him a letter in which it is said that Amai has been expelled because of three reasons. One, excessive talking. Two, unnecessary contacts and friendship. Three, Medical reasons. My God. It was a letter sent to his house, not what was given to the parents when they picked him up or something. No. No. It was a letter sent to his house telling, please don't get your ward back because he has been expelled for these three reasons. That's it. And uh, Amai's father, in order to shield him and to release that shock gently, he had not told him about it. But when this came, then Amai was arguing. He thought this is the time to send home this lesson. That Talking about amazing grace. This is amazing fall from grace. Yes. Just... Mm -hmm. From the peaks to the... To the Nadir. Nadir. And Amai was just shocked. Shell-shocked. He could not believe it. 
he was just trying to think which teacher might have gone and complained in what manner about these to swami he said medical reasons everyone knew swami himself took care of his medical problem and he was fit and in every a, other it was a one time problem it's not yeah. like a recurring, recurring one and mm-hmm. talking and friendships he was wondering what was it that was going wrong and you know he started thinking of the different teachers in school because till then it was primary school he had just shifted over for 8th grade to higher secondary school right. so he was thinking that there are some people who are jealous and you know a complaint and he was thinking a lot of anger towards different teachers i mean that's the first thing right you I mean negative thoughts come when wrong things happen exactly you just forget all the nice things which ha- those teachers ha- have done to you and that's what really happens a little boy too and the little boy what he was thinking was this is what the teachers do right. they have forgotten what an ideal he has been and just with some small vendetta agenda they forgotten all his good and all the love that swami has showered in him and have painted him black this was his conclusion just as we think that we forget the good the teachers have done uh, he felt that the teachers had forgotten all the good that he had done he began to cry and cry and cry and you know amai's parents amazing you know hats off to them also they told him that you know come what may even if the lord kicks us we will not let go of his feet we will not let go of the feet that is kicking us also because we have no other refuge anyatha sharanam nasti tvameva sharanam mama so they decided to come to puttaparthi and well you know prem the june of 1993 there were some episodes in puttaparthi because of which the alumni were no longer allowed to sit in the special place that had been allocated to them okay and because of that amai now came he was no longer a current yeah. student so he is not able to sit in front and he is wondering swami what is this happening and so he was crying out and swami immediately moved to brindavan mm-hmm. he went to brindavan as well and there also the same rule continued that you are not allowed to sit the alumni have no special seating if you are a student you can sit otherwise if you are an alumni go sit with the devotees so that special access is gone and amai was just thinking swami just give me one chance to get in physical touch with you i want to tell you swami that such an grave injustice has been done to me do something nearly a few weeks passed nothing happened after which you know amai's father told him that you know we have to get along with life it's already academic year has begun elsewhere in our part of the world there if you don't go back you will not get you will be neither here nor there you will be wasting a year so they returned back and thankfully he says for him his father got a transfer from muscat to abu dhabi okay. and when they went to abu dhabi he felt like a relief because there were none of these people whom he knew who would come and ask what happened why are you not in swami school who knew about his glorious time also yes and so immediately it'll be a fall from grace because when he was in puttaparthi and brindavan none of the teachers spoke to him none of his friends spoke to him he had already become an outcast and he feared the same would happen back home but luckily that was a small respite he got transferred to abu dhabi he tried in 11th grade to get into the school but well you know the same bias continued he didn't get his admission he tried to get into bcom into the institute but that did not happen because they said that nris will not be taken into the institute that time it was some kind of a problem with the government at that time mm-hmm. he continued with his graduation in bangalore in the sheshadaripuram college he was studying and in the meanwhile he had developed and flowered into a beautiful singer so he joined the sevadal singing group in bangalore that privileged group which gets the chance to sing to swami that's the only sevadal group i think anywhere in the world that gets to sing in front of right. swami because all others it's only the students but we know in brindavan every thursday every sunday the sunday. bhajans are by the sevadal and he became the best singer of the group but he was not satisfied his objective was he wanted to get close to swami and in his mind he had this thought that being a student is the best way to be closest to swami so he would beg and plead and pray in his heart swami just give me one more chance just one more chance just one more chance and he thought that his best chance would be the mba course 
mm-hmm. the professional MBA course. He applied for it once or twice, and both times he didn't get it. He didn't make it. So he continued. He was happy with that life. Swami too began to speak to him. Mm-hmm. So things apparently had improved in the sense he got back his access to Swami because it had been cut off. So he did not bother that the teachers and others are not speaking to him. He felt this is a new life now. He continued with his new life. In fact, you know he has two names. He is either called Indra Neel or Amay. So with the name Indra Neel, he went on in the Bhajan group. He became a good singer. All the while pining for this chance to get one more opportunity to be a student because he felt Swami, I want to show the world. that i am an ideal student you know you know how ideal i am swami give me one more chance just give me one more chance i'll show the world i'll show those people who spoke ill of me behind my back and got me thrown out i'll show them that i am really an ideal student that i love you i can't live without you that was his prayer and that year when he came to puttaparthi things seemed to be improving more and more you know he got an interview not one but two interviews mm-hmm. in fact swami called him out from the darshan lines by addressing him as a appendicitis boy Oh, <laughs> so he felt thrilled that Swami remembered, you know. And the thing is, you know, Swami called him and said, "Where are you?" He said, "Swami." Uh, Swami said, "Why did you leave Swami and go?" Swami appeared so pained, and he almost broke down. You know, Amai almost broke down. Think, oh, Swami, he didn't want to tell that Swami. You know, there are some people who have complained like this. They threw me out. They threw me out, and they said all these stupid reasons. I could not get access and tell you about it. And Swami continued to say, "You know, your other friends, they all studied here. They're all happy. Why did you leave and go?" And then you know Swami gave him those interviews, so he was thrilled. After the interview, his stock price had risen. Amai says that's literally like stock price because you know his intrinsic value is the same, but based on speculation, either you are valued or devalued. Suddenly now everybody wanted to speak to him. Those teachers who avoided him came and tried speaking to him. He just avoided everybody and kept to himself. But when his former best friend came to him and spoke to him, he could not hold any longer. He said, "You know what? I have been the same always." but you are treating me differentially just because swami spoke to me now you are speaking to me don't you are a very selfish guy and then the friend said something which shattered amai shattered him completely he said you know what after you left the school we asked our teacher why why was this why was amai sent why was he expelled and then the teacher said that that year after the admissions when they took all the lists to swami swami specifically asked which is the appendicitis boy So they thought that Swami had some glorious plans for him, okay. and they pointed out to his roll number. You know, he was not a new recruit. He was not a newly admitted student because ninth grade is an automated process. You go into right. from eighth grade. Right. But Swami asked for him, got his sheet, got his roll number, and with a pen just struck off his name and said, "This boy need not be here," and oh. gave no reasons whatsoever. So they had to cook up some reasons. and then the boy said we knew that swami is upset with you so if we associate ourselves with you swami will be upset with us now that swami is happy with you and he has called you for interview we are coming back we have nothing against you amai was totally down in the dumps he felt like he had been backstabbed till now he felt it was better that he thought that the teachers had plotted against him his friends had done against him now the one whom he had considered as his life goal had done this and he felt so miserable he just did not know what to do he just left puttaparthi he wanted some time by himself to come in terms with the situation you know speaking of this i am reminded of that song that was composed during the convocation drama in 2005 i think where the hero's plight is similar to this where he says that i am in such a trouble and the lord doesn't seem to be speaking to me also about this where do i go what do i do we'll come to the conclusion of the story after this song
मत न हार जाना तुझे रुलाए तो क्या औरों को ना रुलाना बेहाल भगवान भी बोलता नहीं मेरा लगता नहीं मैं क्या करूं मजबूर heart was crying out crying out just like the heart of the protagonist of that drama you know he, you know he was thinking that swami till now i thought it was these people the world that had plotted against me but swami you swami you did this to me you sent me out swami when why i mean these questions formed a whirlpool in his head in his heart he did not know answers for these but one thing you know being the positive minded individual that he is he resolved that swami i thought i have to prove to the world if i have to prove to you swami please give me one more chance i'll prove to you that i am a good student i'll prove to you that i am an ideal i'll prove to you that i am the child that you seek please give me one more chance please give me one more chance and this was his constant prayer again and again and again and in 2003 he got a seat for the mba at prashantinilayam and you know that's how i came into contact with him he was my classmate i was doing my msc he was doing his mba and i did not know that he had carried along with him such a huge baggage of 10 years a decade away from swami i just knew him as a singer from the bhajan group in brindavan in college in the hostel also he was so different from all of us you know such a stickler for discipline always the ideal kind of boy whom we feel that come on man don't be so ideal it's fine if you have a little fun but he was no it looked like he had a point to prove to somebody and we never knew who that somebody is today i know it was swami but he was a kind of ideal and after that he joined the master of philosophy course and decided to do his doctorate i remember swami calling him and telling him do you really want to do doctorate he said yes swami you know all his conversations with swami had such a philosophical and otherworldly touch your swami told him you know the degree the institute will give you of the doctorate institute will give you of but swami's phd is not easy are you ready for swami's phd he said yes swami i am ready swami said okay 
if you know the background story each of these dialogues each of these conversations gain another meaning so this went on and on and finally i remember i think swami decided that this was the time to give a pat on amma's back and tell him that you are close to me because amma says his 10 years in the outside world you know showed him that there is nothing in the world worth pining for and longing for the lord's love and the lord's grace is a most supreme thing everything else is useless they look like glittering pearls and gems and jewels but they are trash the lord doesn't look so attractive but once you get the lord you have peace contentment love joy forever and ever and he resolved in his heart never again would he leave swami never and nothing will pluck him away from swami he says this kind of resolve might not have been there had he continued just that is the reasoning he sees now but he says we don't know what is swami's idea or plan but that is the perfect plan so this happened in 2007 it was the mba day the 21st of august every year is celebrated as the mba day when this course began in the institute and as is the practice the students plan to put up a drama Mm-hmm. So by now Amay had passed out he was no longer a student he was a research scholar okay. and he was there as a director for a drama that was proposed but apparently swami told the uh, vice chancellor that you know just a week back on august 15 there was already a drama why another drama no need drama have only speeches for the mba day so the mba department came up with four of the senior most teachers the most experienced who had been with swami for almost 30 years or so to deliver talks on that day they wanted swami to choose Swami said let there be somebody who can speak and sing Swami laid a lot of emphasis on singing he said i want people who can sing mm-hmm. and at that time there were only two students who were doing their masters of philosophy in the mba department who had the capability to sing well and speak well too and one among them was amai and therefore amai got his chance to give a talk that talk i think is available even on radio side delivered on the 21st of august 2007 mm-hmm. where he sang and spoke and i remember seeing swami that day swami was almost in tears he was so moved he was so happy each boy spoke for half an hour and after one hour swami said swami's heart is so full that no words are coming out i am unable to deliver my discourse oh and swami didn't deliver his discourse he went into the interview room came out and said have bhajans and retired after the bhajans and now the beautiful part comes you know and what did swami tell him after the speech swami just patted his cheeks okay and sent him back and said very happy very happy very good that's all nothing else and uh, whatever i said that swami said is what swami told him you know okay. i said that swami said he doesn't deli- wishes to deliver a discourse because his heart is full that was all what swami told these two boys okay. he said that they went on prayed to swami they prayed to swami for discourse because right. they thought swami said i don't want to speak so they went and said swami please speak swami said no the way you have spoken is so wonderful then and then during the dining session swami has spoken to the vice chancellor and all the elders and all the seniors but before that you know what happened was swami said after the bhajan you know swami uh, apparently felt bad that he had not delivered the discourse when everybody was expecting a discourse swami said tomorrow i will deliver a discourse because i am not doing it today you know it's almost like swami saying it was my fault right i didn't deliver today so tomorrow i will deliver the discourse he gave that consolation that evening the vice chancellor comes to the hostel he calls all the teachers and says swami has decided to bless you all with a divine discourse tomorrow and it's in the morning swami has you know told me to invite you all to the mandir Mm-hmm. who look at that you know the vice chancellor inviting because that time the institute is running and the classes have to function right. but all the students not only the mba students everybody benefited from that because they were invited to the mandir for the discourse and after informing them the vice chancellor sends away all the teachers and keeps only these two boys and tells them you know swami is speaking only about you two boys he told about you to the secretary chakravarti sir to venkatraman sir to anil kumar sir 
to Vishrinivasan sir, to everybody Swami is speaking about you only. And Swami is saying, we must do everything possible to retain such good boys. We will never get such good boys. And therefore, Swami has asked me to ask you, what is the salary that you seek? He is ready to pay you whatever you want. He just wants you to stay here with him. He is asking what is the kind of accommodation and lodging that you seek. Because he is ready to give you anything so that you stay here. He is asking what is it that you seek. Just name it. It will be yours. Because Swami says that in return he just wants you to stay with him. And you know Amai was moved to tears at this time. His 10 years away from Swami had taught him how valuable you know Swami is. What Swami meant to him. He knew it and nobody else could understand. He said, Sir, Swami has given me everything that I need. You know, he is telling this as if it's a request. But this is actually a great blessing that he's showering on me, giving me the opportunity to stay with him throughout life. Please say that he has already given me all that I need and I just have my gratitude to offer to him. The next day in the discourse also, you can see the discourse from the Book Trust website, delivered on the 22nd of August 2007, Swami spoke glowingly about these two boys and said that these two are the ideal for all the students. They have goodness They have won gold medals, but they have goodness. Gold may lose its value, but goodness will not lose its value. And I want such boys to be with me. And you know, the circle felt complete then. Imagine, here was a student whom Swami had struck off the name and said, take him away from the roles. And that act of Swami had given rise to such passion and enthusiasm and energy in him to win back God's love that he had come back and made Swami say, I can't give up these two boys. I want this boy to be with me always. I am ready to do anything to keep this boy with me. And so, you know, Amai feels that at times, the Lord makes you move away from him so that you can become even more closer to him. When I heard this, I was also moved and I felt that this is really a very poignant and powerful lesson. At times when we see others or ourselves in our quest of God seem to be moving away from God, let us know that Swami is doing this to us to get us closer to himself. We might have pined, Swami, we want to see you, we want to be with you, but we are not able to come to Puttaparthi. We say, Swami, we want to attend bhajans and other satsangs, but not able to attend it. Why are you keeping me away, Swami? Give me this opportunity. But let us know in our heart of hearts that even that is making us closer to the Lord. He is taking us closer and closer. Beautiful, Arvind. Not only had he gone through that, but even when listening to that, it gives us such a strong message. We might tell it in so many other ways. We might go through it in many ways. But I think the final understanding is God knows what is best. Not only for me, for everybody around. Just Because he sees the big picture. Right, he sees the big picture. Finally, that is what the thing is. And our endeavor should always be to tag along to that big picture. Even if we are not able to see it, be aware and you know be satisfied that there is somebody who sees the big picture and he's guiding me. You know, and that is the one which actually gives us the best idea. I remember one of the philosophers has this wonderful lesson to teach through this analogy. He would say, there's a little child who wants to cross the road, you know. Mm-hmm. She looks at a elderly person and he says, uncle, can you help me cross the road? Mm-hmm. And the man puts out his finger and says, yeah, hold my hand and I'll take you across. So this girl is seeing that it's a huge highway and this man is taking a step forward. Then he's seeing something come by and he's taking a step backwards and then he's moving to his left, moving to right. Typically how you cross a road, you know, you have to navigate navigate all the vehicles which are coming every Especially in India. In Western countries, they have it. Yeah, you have pedestrian walks. And this little child is thinking that, see, I want to go across the road. Why is this man walking backwards? Why is he taking a step backwards? Why is he taking a step to his side? You know, why is he stopping? You know, you just have to go forward if... 
across the road is where you want to go you just have to keep walking and he says that the man who is taking you across knows what exactly he is doing all you have to do is just hold on to that finger with faith and trust him and he adds that we are actually doing something even worse than that he says sometimes we holding this uncle's finger sometimes we holding that uncle's finger sometimes this auntie's finger you know changing our gods and gurus yeah, thinking that somebody will help us better the other mm. that's exactly what we all tend to do even when as you're saying then even the darkest times come that is where you know amai story also comes beautifully that when your guru apparently himself is you know in court True. plotting against you even then you hold on When dark clouds fill your skies, hiding sunshine from your eyes, say his name, say his form, hold on. That's what the song is about, right? right? And I think with growing with understanding, you will see everything that's happening to you as being engineered by your God. Hmm. You know, not just what is directly done by Him. I think let's make a prayer to Swami that He helps us see that bigger picture and you know not get carried away by what is right in front of us. We pray hmm. to Swami to guide us thus. It was so beautiful, reliving it. It's so inspiring, and as you said, we pray to Swami that. come what may let us never let go of his hand let us just hold on because he will never let go of our hand let him be the uncle that we hold hand to cross this highway called life with this dear listeners we come to the end of this afternoon satsang hope you enjoyed it please share your feedback your thoughts your feelings with us by writing to us at listener@radiosai.org Sairam you just heard an episode of a radio series afternoon satsang this is a live discussion between radio sai's prem and arvind on different spiritual topics and today's episode was first featured as part of radio sai's thursday live at 12:30 pm on october 17th 2013 you can mail us your comments and feedback to listener@radiosai.org Thank you and Sai Ram from Prashant Nilayam.